Our text for this morning comes to us from Leviticus chapter 27, verses 30 through 34. Listen now for a word from the Lord. All tithes from the land, whether the seed from the ground or the fruit from the tree, are the Lord's. They are holy to the Lord. If persons wish to redeem any of their tithes, they must add one-fifth to them. All tithes of herd and flock, every tenth one that passes under the shepherd's staff, shall be holy to the Lord. Let no one inquire whether it's good or bad or make substitution for it. If one makes substitution for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy and cannot be redeemed. These are the commandments that the Lord gave to Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for your word. And God, thank you for time set aside to listen and to dwell on your wisdom. God, I pray whatever words we would hear this morning would come from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're starting a series on stewardship. And if you are a visitor here today, I apologize that this is the Sunday that you showed up. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about giving of money, time, resources, um, and really, all, all stewardship is, is it's the idea that you've been given something by God. You've been blessed, you've been privileged in some cases, you have been given these gifts, and, and stewardship is the idea that what, what do I do with all this that I've been given in light of God? What do I do with my time in light of God? What do I do with my money? What do I do with my resources? That's what stewardship is, and it's a big question I can't answer all those things for you, but we can at least talk about them. So if you've never heard the word stewardship, that's sort of the direction that we are going in. And I want to say too, you know, during this giving campaign, this is the first of a series of three sermons. So I'm going to give one this week. Next week, I think Pastor Sarah's uh, going to give a sermon. And then Emily Anderson, our invitations uh, coordinator, is going to give a sermon as well. And so we're going to talk about this for the next three weeks and, and hopefully in a way that invites you into a deeper spirituality. If you have any questions about giving, if we don't answer any, anything that, that comes up for you, feel free to reach out to us. I know that this is kind of a hot topic. <laughs> and it's hard because we work hard for our money, don't we? There, there's a song about that. We work hard for our money and we want to be treated right. We want the money to be treated right. We want it to be used responsibly. And so if you have any questions about giving, about stewardship, about anything that happens, feel free to talk to us. The first time I heard about giving in the church, or at least the first time I remember, I was, I was in a Sunday school class. I think I was six or seven years old. And um, 
at, at this church, we had, it was a pretty robust Sunday school program, and I think there were probably 13 to 15 of us that were in this six to seven-year-old age bracket, and they, you know, put us through uh, all, all of this curriculum. It was year-round. It was great, and I can remember we did three or four weeks on giving, and it was going to culminate in this moment where Miss Deb and Miss Sandy, my Sunday school teachers, said that they were going to pass around this coffee can that they had cut a hole in, and we were going to be invited to give to the church. And I I think the specific giving was for a local uh, soup kitchen that operated out of an Episcopal church, kind of like our open door program here. And so the weeks went by and um, they, I I, I believe they called my mom to remind her the Saturday before the the giving Sunday that we needed to bring something if if we had it and we were able. If not, they were going to provide um, some money that we could put in this can. And I remember driving to church that Sunday, and my mom, right before we got out of the car, handed me a $20 bill. Now, at six or seven years old, this was 1993, 1994 for me. You know how old I am. And $20 to a seven-year-old in 1993 was basically a fortune. <laughs> and, and I was like, Mom, you're giving me $20 to put in the offering plate? I, could, I couldn't believe it. My allowance at the time was like, you know, I think I got t- like a dollar a week, but I got it every two weeks. And so to hand me $20 to just give away was like, well, I, don't know, I don't know about this. <laughs> Maybe I'll give a little bit of it, but I, I think I need some of that. Well, we went through the Sunday school class and they, they passed the can around and I did put the $20 in and then I watched Miss Deb as she, she took the coffee can, she sealed it with the lid and she placed it high on a shelf and then we were dismissed. I don't know how you were as a kid, but, and, and, and I hope you f- hear some freedom in this, uh, I did not like going to church as a kid. <laughs> and, and they didn't have, you know, uh, children's programs that would, that would take me out of church, and so I, I had to sit through it. <laughs> and I was bored, and I was, I was restless, and, and, and all of these things, but my mom sort of made a deal with me. She said, okay, if you can last through the beginning part, which was, you know, the beginning liturgy, the first couple of hymns, when we came to the boring part, as I referred to it, when the pastor got up and spoke, <laughs> which I'm currently paying for now, <laughs> when we got to that part, my mom would let me go wander the halls so long as I promised you know, I wouldn't be disruptive, I wouldn't do anything I knew I shouldn't do. And so we went through the service, we got to the boring part, I tapped my mom on the shoulder, she let me leave the service, I walked out, and as I was wandering the halls, I noticed that the Sunday school door was open. And so I thought, well, I'll just go in and see what's going on in the Sunday school room. And what do you know, in the corner, I saw the shelf, I saw the coffee can, And I remembered all that money we had just put in it. So I grabbed a chair. I pushed it against the shelf. I stood up on it. And I grabbed the can. And then I opened the lid. And I saw this pile of money.
You know, the first time we hear about tithing in the Bible is actually um, in, in Genesis. I think it's chapter 13 or 14. I'm going to forget, but um, it, it's when Abram has to go save his nephew Lot. And, and Abram is actually always saving his nephew Lot because his nephew Lot seems to be a little bit irresponsible or at least uh, prone to finding himself in precarious situations. And so Abram goes off to save Lot from these Mesopotamian kings that had been bothering him. And when he gets done, he has all this loot and all of this plunder. And he's approached by a high priest that offers him bread and wine. It's Melchizedek. It's the first priest that we hear of in Scripture as well. And after Melchizedek offers him the bread and the wine, they go through this whole ceremony. Abram is so filled with gratitude that he says, I want to give a tenth of everything I've just looted and plundered to the Lord, to this higher authority that Melchizedek served. And so he did. He gave 10% of all of that. Now after that, that story and a few other stories that that come up, what what happens is um, this practice of tithing gets codified into a law. And that's what we read today in Leviticus 27. You have uh, the, the verse about tithing, and it says, you know, whether it's a seed or a fruit from the tree, you've got to give a tenth of it to the Lord. And if you don't grow trees and plants and fruit and, and you raise animals, you've got to give every tenth animal that passes under the rod. That has to go to the Lord. And there's a, there's a reason for this. Uh, the, the, the history, we can find a little bit of it in the book of Numbers. But in Numbers, what, what we find is that as God was handing out the allotments and the inheritance of the promised land, all of the tribes of Israel got a certain section of land. So some got, you know, a nice prairie where they could raise animals. Some got really fertile land where they could grow fruit and other grains. And others maybe got a mountainous region where they could mine. They all had a region where they could make a living, where they could bring these resources and gifts, except for the Levites. The Levites were a class of priests that were charged with their inheritance was the temple. They didn't get land to work. They didn't have mountains to mine. They had the temple to make sure that it kept functioning. Keep it going. That's your task. Make sure that we are worshiping God. And so the tithe that we read about today, that tenth portion of, you know, the farmers and the ranchers, That went to support the Levites in the temple. And it was an obligation. You didn't have a choice whether or not you were going to give that. I mean, you can call it an offering, you can call it a gift, but uh, there were consequences if you didn't do it. So in some ways, it was more like a tax than anything else. And it wasn't the only tax that was instituted um, during that time. I, I read somewhere between like 20 and 35% of what you earned likely went to the temple. So not that much different than what we're dealing with today. It was a tax on top of taxes. But the tithe was a special portion. It went to the priests. And tithe is actually a word. It just means tenth, by the way. It's, it's an, I think it's an old English word literally just means tenth. And so that tenth portion is set aside specifically for the priests, and you were obligated to give it. Now, after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, there were early Christians that 
began to see what Paul saw, and Paul talks about this all throughout the New Testament, um, that, you know, the, the law has essentially been abolished. We're no longer under the law is, is language that he'll use. We're no longer required to follow the letter of the law. We are looking more for the spirit of the law, right? And so the idea of giving begins to transform with these early Christians who are saying, no, you don't need to give just a tenth of everything you bring, Right? It, it's actually an act of gratitude, which is, I think, closer to what Abram was doing when he gave to Melchizedek after he saved Lot. It was an act of gratitude, of um, this great um, um, gesture to God because God had so blessed him. God had made him prosper. And so early Christians didn't have this sort of tax. They just, it was a free will offering. It wasn't an obligation. It was an invitation. If you remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the story of the rich young ruler. And I, uh, what I said really wasn't my words. My whole point in the story was that Jesus is not going to make you be the person that you know you should be. Jesus isn't going to force you to do the things you know you should do. If you don't know the story of the rich young ruler, it, it, it goes something like this. It's, uh, there's a rich young man who approaches Jesus one day and he says, teacher, teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, he says, well, gosh, you know what to do. Keep the commandments, you know, give your offerings, do the things the temple requires, and on and on and on. Love God, love neighbor. And the rich young man looks at him and says, well, teacher, I've, I've done all that since I was a youth. And it's at this point in the text, and I, and I, lo- I love this part, but it's, it says Jesus stops, Jesus looks at him and sees him and loves him and then says, okay, well, then go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. Jesus isn't going to force the offering. Jesus isn't going to make it an obligation. It's an invitation to follow Jesus into a deeper spirituality it's a gift it's offered in gratitude some early christians interpreted this and said you know jesus doesn't just require a tenth he requires everything (laughs) and so the stakes are almost raised when jesus comes around even though it seems like that obligation passes away it's not an obligation It's an invitation to express your gratitude for God and all that God has done for you. How many of y'all think I stole that money out of the offering plate? (laughs) I want some, hey, I got a hand back there. All right. I just got it. Yep. Yep. Tom Marshall thinks I did. I should have guessed that, Tom. I took, I took every penny out of that offering plate and I stuffed my pockets, okay? And I, I know I should not be confessing this right now. I want you to know I pray the prayer of confession with you every single Sunday. I want you to know that I receive that absolution every single Sunday and I need it as much as you do. I'm a human being. Also, I was six years old. Please give me a pass. I have, I've been to countless altars since then. I have given back <laughs> that money time and time again, and I didn't end up stealing at all, I'll tell you that. So at the time, I have to tell you, I was a little bit of a rebel, 
If that already wasn't abundantly clear, because I told you I stole from an offering plate. Um, but I, I refused to wear dress pants or jeans when I was a kid that small. And I can't tell you why. I, I think probably because they were uncomfortable. But I only wore sweatpants, like exclusively sweatpants, and usually only black sweatpants because I thought they matched everything. And so I had these sweatpants on, and I'm walking down the hall, and my pockets are bulging from all of the coins that were in there. And I'm walking the halls as I normally do, and I'm jingling, and I'm jangling. And I just, you know, I, luckily... I heard what was happening. I was like, someone's going to catch me. (laughs) So I went back to the Sunday school room. I emptied my pockets of the coins. (laughs) Pastor Sarah told me it was okay to share this story, by the way. I emptied my pockets of the coins. I put a few of the bills in there, including my mother's $20 bill, but I did keep a couple of dollars for myself. And I... I am asking forgiveness for that. (laughs) I had no sense of feeling grateful for what God had done for me. I wasn't responding to an invitation to give. I was trying to take because I thought that I needed. We've all been there, haven't we? We just want to take, 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 take. Because we feel like we need And maybe there are seasons where that's okay. But the call of Jesus is always an invitation to give, to let go, to open up. It turns out that this invitation from Jesus, you know, scientists are finally, finally catching up with the wisdom of the church. Did you know that? I read countless studies this week that suggested, and I want to be careful with my language, These studies were suggesting that it may be beneficial for us to give in physical and very real ways. So I read that people who give more actually um, have higher, um, I don't even know how you would say it, they have more of the hormone oxytocin in their blood and in their system. And oxytocin is uh, what they call the love hormone. It's what connects us to people. It helps us fall in love. It helps us experience happiness. also, I'm not a doctor, so go, go talk to your doctor about what these things are. But it, it's my understanding this is a very good thing for us. We need this. Also, they're finding that people who give more and, and, and have a lifestyle of giving, and, and again, not just money, time, energy, resources, people who invest in something outside of themselves, they're finding they live longer. They're finding that they have a bigger network of people, obviously, because they're out there. They're finding that they're happier. They're more fulfilled. This wasn't just one study. This was one after another after another. People who respond to the invitation to let go of what they've been given or respond to the invitation to invest in something larger than themselves are better off than those of us that don't. And so I think this invitation from Jesus... It might have more to do with us. This invitation for us to give our time, our money, and our resources, it might have more to do with us than it does to do with God. You know, the Bible is very clear over and over and over that God doesn't need your money. God has, it says, cattle on a thousand hills, which is an ancient way of saying God's loaded. (laughs) 
God doesn't need your resources. God doesn't need you to do these things. God is inviting you into something bigger. So this idea of stewardship, while we do it with God in mind, while we give with God in mind, while we do it perhaps to follow the commands of our Lord, it's not really about our Lord, is it? It's about us. It's about what's going on in our hearts. It's about not letting the things of the world control us. It's about not letting money have too much power over our lives and making sure that God has more power over our lives. It's about investing in something larger than yourself. So for the next few weeks, we're going to ask you to give. We're going to ask you to think about giving. We're going to ask you to consider, you know, would you make a gift to Fort Street Presbyterian Church? Would you think about, you know, if, if you're in a season where you say, hey, Pastor Garrett, I, I really don't have the money to give to you during this season, would you consider lending us some of your time, some of your talents, some of those things? And I'll say too, you know, it's, it's, it's not just about Fort Street, right? This idea is so much bigger than Fort Street. And, and, and some of y'all, you may not like this, but, but please hear me on this. If you don't feel comfortable giving to Fort Street, that's okay. God still wants you to give. It's not just about this one church. Though I do want you to give here, I believe in what we're doing. I, I moved across the country to come here because I believe what's happening here already. God is inviting us to give, though, on a bigger scale. So if Fort Street's not your place, if you're not ready to make that level of commitment, I'll say still consider giving somewhere. If it's time, give time. If it's money, give money. If it's a talent or a resource, give that because you are at your best. You are closer to your best self when you are giving generously and regularly. And I think God delights in that. And I think God wants to fill you up in those ways. And so I'd have you consider this invitation from God, whether you give here or whether you give somewhere else. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for stewardship. Thank you for all the gifts that we have been given. And God, I pray that we would respond to the invitation that you've given us. That we, we would begin the practice of letting go of what we've been given in order to follow you into a deeper spirituality. God, give us the strength and the courage to let go. In Jesus' name, amen.